Hey guys, how's it going? Connor Gilson here. Um, I almost didn't do this uh, podcast tonight. Um, I talked about it last night. Or actually, let's say, like, I said normally that when I'm not really feeling 100%, I don't do podcasts instead of forcing them out because I want to have the energy behind it. Um... And last night I talked about how um, depression is a big is a, a thing that um, even I suffer from um, every once in a while. It's very very rare, um, but I do get it from from time to time. Um, I don't know what it is today. I was fine all day, and then I decided to sit down and watch Cars the movie from Pixar. Um, which is a movie I watched when I was a kid all the time. I don't know if that triggered it or whatever, but I'm feeling a little bit like major. Actually, I'll say majorly. De- I don't know if it's depression or just complete like loneliness. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's odd. But instead of not doing the podcast like I normally do, I wanted to see if I could power through it and put out podcasts that I'm happy with. So if you're listening to this, I listened to it and I felt that it was good enough to make it to final cut or whatever. Um, but yeah, so I apologize in advance if I don't have my full, um, excitement and happiness as I normally do. Uh, do feel very weird right now, mainly because usually when I do get depressed, I can easily figure out what it is, and I can't, and it's kind of ticking me off, which is adding to it, Um, but I'm going to power through this and hopefully put out some good content. So, funny, funny, we're still talking about happiness, and I guess that's another reason why I want to do it, because I'm not 100% happy right now, but I figured, hey, maybe it will help me to be happy or something. I don't know. (laughs) Anyhow, let's get in the information. Um, Yesterday we talked about the Tetris effect, which was a very interesting topic. One of my favorites as far as inside um, helping us to be happy. Um, But let's talk about, I don't know, mental maps, I guess. Um, More about how we think and how certain things can shape us and how to kind of get over it. Um, so the human brain is constantly like changing, right? It's constantly creating and revising and proofreading mental maps, if you will, um, to help us to pretty much navigate our way through this very ridiculously complex and ever-changing world that we live in. Um, even more so in the time period that we live in because technology is around and it's changing so rapidly. Um, you know, our cars, our TVs, our phones, our... Um, you know, things that we use to monitor our body weight, uh, Fitbits, uh, electronic, uh, like scale scales that put impulses through our body to check, like how much fat content we have. Like everything's very, very, very fluently changing. I have light bulbs in my house that change, um, based on what I say. I have a assistant in my house, a Google assistant that tells me the weather, tells me what time it is, tells me, um, you know, news if I want to, we'll play games. It, it's crazy. Um, there's a lot, if you have a certain car, 
um, they will start it. It's insane. It's insane what we have now as far as technology. It's constantly changing. So with that changing world, our brain is constantly creating and revising that mental map. But let's say, <clears throat> let's think about like when we're in crisis, right? Whether it's economical or emotional or uh, material, um, it could be a bunch of things. We tend to form incomplete mental maps. The disruption of the crisis tends to interfere with our mental maps, if you will. And ironically, the path that we have trouble seeing is usually the most positive one, okay? It's the most positive one. It's the most productive one. In fact, when we feel helpless and hopeless, we stop believing that a path like that, a positive path, even exists. And that's the danger, right? very detrimental to our happiness that when we are feeling helpless and hopeless that we kind of eliminate in our own mind that there's a pathway to positive thoughts and a positive outcome. We tend to eliminate it when we're helpless and hopeless, right? <clears throat> but that's the thing. That's the very path we should be looking for because as you'll see, our ability to find that is the difference between those who are crippled by failure and those who rise above it, who embrace failure. And I feel like that's one of the biggest core things that every entrepreneur needs to learn. You need to learn that failure is something that's needed. Okay? And I, I mean, honestly, if you got to exactly where you wanted to be very easily without failure, you would take it for granted. Okay, I've mentioned many times that me losing everything makes me really appreciate what I have now. Okay, so I think every entrepreneur should, and I think that's part of it, is experiencing failure. It helps us, those battle scars or those things that we triumphed over when things went sideways is what makes our companies, what makes us, what forges us, okay? But, and it's funny because there's studies, countless studies that show that if we're able to conceive a failure as an opportunity for growth, we are way more likely to experience that growth. Even if we, so if you had somebody that didn't have failure and wanted growth, it's very likely more likely if you experience failure of you getting that growth. Um, we're going to talk about later about how there's actually a mechanism in our mind that reacts to fear if it hasn't been suppressed, um, has reacts to fear and reacts to bad things happening and pushes us towards growth, okay? But if we conceive that a fall is the worst thing in the world, it's going to become just that. So if a failure happens and you view it as something that is the end of the world, well, it's going to be. And I wish I could say it's easy not to do that. I wish it's, I could say that. I wish I really could say, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not easy to view a failure or a fall as the worst thing in the world. But it is. And the funny thing is it's not that easy because it's a natural part of us. It's not. It's unnatural for a human mind to view a failure as an end-all. 
it, it's completely against our nature. It's completely against the way our minds are wired. It's completely against everything. A failure paralyzing us to the fact that we feel helpless and hopeless, that's not normal. It's interesting, though, because where I talked about in uh, one of my first podcasts about the facial or the social mask, right? The thing that we are in order to be part of society, okay? The thing that, as I explained before, is a stark contrast to our desires, our goals, our fantasies, our pleasures, um, who we are, our our death, things like that. I explained how with females, they're taught not to embrace their, it's getting better now, but their, their feminine ability or their feminine qualities. And then males are taught not to be sensitive or um, have emotion, things like that. And so it works for both genders. Um, but that social mask has the part as well that Failure, you should, you should avoid failure at all costs, right? You should avoid failure. You should get a nine-to-five job because it's stable. You shouldn't be an entrepreneur because it's risky. You shouldn't invest in things other than a bank a savings account because the risk is there and you might lose everything. Um, you shouldn't enjoy certain things too often because you may get addicted to them. Um, you shouldn't be vulnerable to other people because they may stab you and hurt you. Um, right. So it's part of the social mask. It is. It's part of the social mask that if we fail, then it's, that's it. It's over. It's the worst thing that could possibly happen. OK. The worst thing that can possibly happen is you dying, which is going to happen anyways. And I can tell you that not moving forward because of failure is going to make your death even more painful. OK. Unless you drop dead out of like nowhere, when you're slowly dying, that regret that you have that you never faced fear ever. I honestly, I can't, I, my mind hurts if I view me as never facing fear. I have done some crazy stuff, whether it's reckless like street racing or, um, I'm trying to think of other things that I've done that I can say that won't scare everybody away. Um, but yeah, we'll stick with, we'll stick with, <laughs> we'll stick with street racing for right now. Um, and then risky things as far as my business, like, you know, at 18 years old, instead of getting a job or going to college, I formed my own company. Um, when everybody was telling me a job, when everything was falling to garbage and I kept focusing on my business and I lost everything. That was a risk. And I ended up losing that risk, right? Um, things with like relationships where I went against pretty much everybody for my, my ex-wife. When everybody was against me, I got her her own apartment, paid her all her bills. And uh, today is June 27th. I just, my mind, it's crazy, like, my my mind figures out things while I'm talking, too. Um, so I figured out why I'm uh, depressed just right then and there. So that's, uh, that's interesting. Today is June 27th, which was the day I got married five years ago. Okay. Okay, yep. All right, well, what, what about that, huh? <laughs> Got to hear me figure it out. Hmm. Hmm, Okay. Um, that literally just splattered, like shattered my whole thought process of what I was talking about though. Um, oh yeah. 
when I, yeah, when I got her own apartment and things like that. I've always taken risks. I've always been a fan of risks. I've always, um, I would, I've served, oh, there's a normal, a normal risk that isn't crazy, but is kind of crazy. I would surf in hurricanes because I, I enjoyed it. I love the rush. I love the crazy waves. I would swim in hurricanes or boogie board in hurricanes. Um, I was very bold back when I was younger. Um, still, still am, still am. I still do some risky stuff. I took a drive recently, um, down like a can like a very windy tight road at very high speeds to get that little adrenaline rush, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, so I couldn't understand. I could never live my life without facing fear. I could never do it. It would literally, I would shrivel up. Okay. But I'm going to do a list right now. Okay. I'm going to list these off. All right. Bereavement, bone marrow transplantation, breast cancer, chronic illness, heart attack, military combat, natural disaster, physical assault, or refugee displacement, or losing your home or everything you have, okay? If that sounds like a random clip from a alphabetically um, arranged nightmare list of the very worst things that can befall a human being, that's because it pretty much is, okay? But, but, pause for dramatic effect. It also happens to be a list of events that researchers have found to spur profound positive growth in many, many individuals, study after study, individual after individual, these horrible, horrible things are what spurs profound positive, profound positive growth. And psychologists have named this adversarial growth or post-traumatic growth, okay? I remember this quote I read. Um, I found it. It took me a while to find this quote because this isn't like crazy. Like I actually was in a journal I had. Um, Things do not necessarily happen for the best, but some people are able to make the best out of the things that happen. So like I said, remember how I said that naturally in the human mind, it's not designed to lie down in failure or a horrible, bad thing happening. That's the original design of it. We're problem solvers. We figure things out. We work through them. Okay. We're not made to just have something hit us in the face of failure and just fold and crack, and tear apart, and just lay down, and take it, okay, it's taught to us, it's taught to us by society, it's taught to us by mom and dad, it's taught to us by teachers, especially by teachers in our school system, get a normal job, don't, don't go and take crazy, insane risks, they don't even teach you financial education, okay, they don't teach you how to invest, make money, they don't, okay, they don't teach you how to build, like, it's, it's crazy, anyways, um, Yeah. So like I said, it's in our mind to naturally rise against failure, but it's taught to us by social, like 
a social mask or a society, okay? Um, there was a re, uh, research study done with dogs, okay? They were put in um, this kind of like box, okay? And there was, on one side where the dog was placed, there were these metal plates on the bottom, and they had, there was a tiny little wall, like a tiny wall, like half the height, like, or I think it was a quarter of the height of the dog. Dog could easily step over into the next compartment. Um, the one that they were in had this metal thing that was electric, electric, like electric, um, why can't I think of the word? Wow, I really can't. Wow, awesome. Um, it was hooked up to, <laughs> I can't believe I can't think of the word. It was hooked up to wires to an electric system, low voltage, nothing that would harm or, um, it was lower than I think, a like it was much lower than a cattle prod. Okay. Um, and what they were trying to do was ring a bell. And every time they ring the bell, they, the dog would go over the wall into the next compartment. But this is what happened. Um, at one point, the study was stopped and the researchers were upset because they said the dogs won't do anything. Something's wrong with them. So before the experiment had started, the dogs, when they were put in the crate without the thing being powered on, it, they would jump back and forth over the wall, back and forth, back and forth. But once... But what had happened is as it started, they were just they were just laying there. They were just laying on that metal plate, like curled up, okay? The researchers thought it was a failed experiment. They thought it was like, oh, we failed upon it. You know, we failed. But they realized something. They had accidentally taught the dogs to be helpless. So what they wanted to do is ring the bell and the dog would go over into the other department and the shock wouldn't happen because they wouldn't, the other, depart, the other compartment didn't have the metal floor. Um, but what had happened was once the bells rang, a shock was sure to follow. So no matter what, because the dogs weren't jumping over the, over the wall like they wanted them to. So in the situation... The dogs believed that there, because they heard the bell and then they got shocked, the dogs had felt that no matter what, every time they heard the, the bell ding, they were going to get shocked. See, they were being taught how they were being taught to be helpless, okay? And it's interesting because then they did it with humans. Researchers took two groups of people into a room, turned on a very, very loud noise, and then told them to figure out how to turn it off by pressing buttons on a panel. They gave them a panel. Um, the first group tried every combination of buttons that they could, but nothing worked to stop the noise. It was a dummy panel. It didn't work, okay? Another horrible example of devious psychologists, right? Um, the second group was given a panel of buttons that did successfully turn off the noise, okay? Then, here's the interesting part, both groups were then given the same second task, so same thing, okay? Same second one. Um, they were put in a room, the equivalent of, you know, a very, very, very small room. Um, I think they likened it to a shuttle box is what they called. 
Um, and then they were once again treated to this crazy noise, this crazy loud obnoxious noise. But this time, both groups could easily stop the noise by simply moving a hand from one side to the other, just like the dogs, okay? The group that had the panel that did shut off the noise before quickly figured this out and stopped the blare. But the group that had first been exposed to the noise and they couldn't stop it in the first experiment just let their hands lay there. They didn't even bother to move them or try to make the noise stop. The researcher said it was as if they had learned they were helpless to turn off the noise, so they didn't even try, even though everything else, the time and place, all that had changed. So what happened? They carried that noise helplessness that that was programmed into them in the first test right into the next experiment. So there's the big point, right? There's the, there's the big point. When I was reading this study, I'm like, this is what they're trying to get across. This is, this is interesting. They did it with dogs and then explaining how they did it with humans. And same thing happened. The thing that my mind pointed out, my mind picked up, is how quick how quick the mindset of helplessness set in. Because like they said, I like the part where they said the room, the surroundings, the, the task, the, everything had changed, but they still assumed that they wouldn't be able to turn off the noise. Isn't that crazy? It, it's insane to me about how quick a human mind can take on the helpless, hopeless mindset didn't take long. It wasn't weeks and months of them being locked in a room, having blaring noise done to them. It was one test and then one test after, and they failed the other test because they thought they couldn't do anything. They felt hopeless or helpless. And the scary thing, it doesn't just end when we feel the helpless, hopeless syndrome. It doesn't just end in the one thing that we're doing. Okay. When people feel helpless in one area of their life, it will creep, it will spread like a virus. And the people will not only give up in that one area, they often overlearn the lesson and apply it to other situations. They apply it to other situations. So a setback at work might lead to some problems with a relationship or a rift with a friend might discourage them from trying to form bonds with colleagues at work, so on. When this happens, our helplessness mentality spirals out of control and it literally impedes all successes in all areas of our life. It'll start it starts trickling, right? It'll trickle into one area of life. It'll come out of one and into the other. And then it will go into another. And then once it starts going into a bunch of them, it will start spreading quick, super fast. Because remember, we're training our mind to think like this. We're training our mind to think helpless, hopeless, helpless, hopeless. First time, all right, well, work's not going well. Well, boom, into the friendship, right? Okay, my friendships aren't going well. Then boom, goes into the personal life, hobbies, um, marriage or relationship with boyfriend or girlfriend, um, 
the way we view the world, the way we get joy from like going out in nature, um, things that we used to enjoy. It's crazy, like wildfire spreads through a life, okay? So, how do I put this? When we're faced with a terrible prospect, so for example, end of a love affair or a job, we overestimate how unhappy it will make us and for how long, okay? The mind loves to blow things out of proportion. Um, one thing, I, I remember I was teaching a student um, a technique about, because he wanted to get over his fear for cold calling. And I said, you know what? I used to have that fear as well. I used to be like, the more I get rejected, the more I feel like garbage and the more I freak out about cold calling. But I read something or I was in a speech or something like that. Um, but it talked about how what you should do is take a fear that you have, mine was cold calling, and blow it out of proportion. Blow it out of proportion. So mine was, I'm trying to remember all of it because this is a while ago. This is probably when I was 22. 21 maybe it might have been when I was 21 um 21 or 22 so four or five years ago um but I did it right in front of him right in front of the person I was helping I said so the worst thing that can happen is um you know I get on a cold call, somebody says something to me that really hurts hurts me and gets to me. Um, I, you know, immediately don't want to call anybody that day. I lose all that income that I could make. I get sucked into this vortex of sadness. It starts affecting other aspects of my life. Um, I get angry and I take it out on the people I care about. They they uh, they stop hanging out with me. I lose my family and friends because I'm all upset and depressed and rageful. Um, a freak accident happens outside of my house. I went crazy with this thing. A like, freak accident accident comes like goes out like happens outside my house, and uh, eighteen wheeler comes flipping through my house and like you know takes out my my whole entire house, all the things that I have runs me over. Um, I'm paralyzed for the rest of my life. I can barely move. I have to rely on somebody for the rest of my life. And I went on and on and on. And I looked at him and I said, when you do that, your mind starts to start going like, okay, this is all ridiculous. And you start to realize how ridiculous everything else you said before the 18-wheeler came through the house and maimed you to the point where you're never going to walk again. You realize that, you know, you losing all your friends and family because you're so depressed about this is stupid. Um, the fact that you're not going to keep calling people and get over the objection and miss out on all that money, that's stupid. The f and then you go all the way back to the fact that somebody, you know, the fact that nobody's buying or nobody's listening to you, um, hurts you, or you feel like you should give up and you think that's ridiculous. It literally like burns it all up. Like it starts at the crazy part where you ended and just burns all the way back to the beginning. 
and it helps like crazy. It does. It's kind of like, it's kind of like um, a fish hook, right? If you get a fish hook in your skin, which unfortunately I watched many people in my family do that. First happened with my dad. We were fishing and my mom, my dad was unhooking a fish for my mom and I think she slipped off a curb and she like yanked the pole and she had like the hook went to my dad's finger. So, and it went to like his thumb joint. It was bad. <laughs> it was bad. So he went to the hospital, took it out. Then my brother got, got it. And, um, I don't remember how he got his, but he got, he got a hook into his hand and he had to go to the hospital. Then with me, I was so stupid. I had a lure and I grabbed it firmly in my hand and I then pulled on the lure to try to break the line instead of just cutting it because I didn't want to walk over and grab a knife to cut it because my dad had the knife. And I didn't want to walk over there, so I grabbed the lure and I pulled as hard as possible, and it slid and buried into my finger. Now on a hook, in most cases, there's a barb. So it's very narrow at the entrance of the, of the hook, and then it gets wider. And once that goes in, it keeps it from going, coming out, which on a fish works pretty well. If a fish like pulls against it enough it stretches out kind of a bigger hole and it comes out much easier not the case in human flesh <clears throat> so you have to then push it all the way through and make another like push it all the way through and break it through the skin again to cut off the barb to pull it out that's how you get it out you can literally pull on the thing as long as you want you will not get it out and you will do damage to your body okay um in my case I had to go to the hospital. I had my parents, I buried my face in a pillow and had my parents try to break it through my skin again. Apparently my skin is super like tough. Um, but he, they tried to break it out and it did not come out. I was like, I have a very high pain tolerance as well. And I was like screaming, I was like yelling or no, I didn't, I didn't make any noise. Cause I remember my dad saying like, this is crazy that you're not making any noise. When I went to the doctor and they put Novocaine in my thumb and went to pull, pull it out. The doctor actually had to put his full body weight into breaking it through my skin again. He's like, your skin is like leather. It is ridiculous. So it's like that. When we have a fear, if we do that method that I just taught you, it's like that. It's pushing it through because you're pushing it deeper and it has to come back out and it's going to hurt and it's not going to be pleasant. But then once it starts, once your mind starts deconstructing all this crazy bull crap that you just spewed out, it burns it all up and then you're back at square one. You realize that if somebody rejects you on a phone call, it's not that big of a deal. And I've done that with many things. I did it with when I started dating because my mother taught me to date and she taught me to be very, very nice and to, you know, be very, very cautious. But when I had to start going up to girls and start communicating with them, it was very, very scary. But I used that same method and I deconstructed and broke it all back. And I realized if I walk up to a girl and she rejects me or says that she doesn't like me or I'm not her type or whatever, it's no big deal. That's all everything is. No one little thing is going to kill you unless 
unless you let it, okay? But that's what, that's getting back to that point I said. When we're faced with a terrible prospect, whether it's the end of a love life or uh, end of a job, we overestimate how unhappy it will make us and for how long. We fall victim to immune neglect, which means that we constantly forget how good our psychological immune system is at helping us get over adversity. Because remember, like I said, inside of our head, in the way it's supposed to be, we're supposed to be literally one of the best mechanisms on earth to get over failure and things that come up against us or things that create unpleasant pleasant things, right? And that's what our psychological immune system is really good at, helping us to get out of adversity. Um, a lot of people ask me how I could go through so many things in my life and still keep going. Um, I've had a lot. I've had a lot. And... The reality is I have went back to the way my mind's supposed to be. I don't let social, I don't let, I very rarely ever have any attributes of the social mask. I literally have gone through in my entire life and attacked them and ripped them out of my life one by one. I won't lie and say that they're all gone. There are parts of me that are controlled by the social mask, but a lot of it is gone, Okay. So just know this, every human has a kind of quirk of their, or quirk, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to sleep now, of a, of the human like psychology, okay? It's that our fear of consequences is always way worse than the consequences themselves. And... If we have that viewpoint, if we have that viewpoint of being balanced, it can help us to move more toward a more optimistic interpretation of the downs that we will absolutely face, okay? That we're absolutely going to face. We're all going to have failures. We're all going to have downs. But if we let our mind blow them out of proportion, it's not going to help us. Okay, it's not going to help us. If we worry about something, so say, um, let me see, let me see if I can think of something because I'm at the end of my notes right now, but let me see. This is why I like this because I do my notes and I get a lot of detail, but I also then get more information in my head as I'm talking on the podcast. Um, so let's see. What can I use as an example? Say you were charged with some type of like assault charge, okay? And the maximum penalty was like three years in prison, right? Um, or let's let's go let's go fun. Let's get this. Let's make it intense. Let's say the maximum penalty was ten years in prison. So if you're like me, ten years in prison sounds like it, it would drive me nuts because of all that time wasted. Um, but 10 years in prison and um, you, didn't, you didn't commit the charge, okay? There's a possibility that the charge is going to be thrown out because there's a lot of evidence and proof that you didn't do it. 
but there's also a chance that somebody lies or somebody false, you know, testifies and you end up going to prison, okay? And then all the bad things that can happen in prison, okay? Um, and say, so there's basically there's two options. There's one, the case gets thrown out and nothing happens. Number two, you end up going to prison for 10 years and you have a bad experience in prison. When you come back out, all your friends and family don't care anymore about you. All your friends will not even talk to you, things like that. You, can't get a, you can barely get a job now um, because you have this arrest and you have these charges. Um, you pretty much are starting from the ground up because you, had no, you don't have a place to live anymore, things like that, okay? So those are your two options, right? Your mind will naturally focus on the worst case scenario in most cases. And especially when it's something that serious, your mind's going to focus naturally, almost out of control, on that negative thing. But if you focus that time that you have free up until that point, up until the verdict happens, whether you have like, you know, whether you're on, on, out on bail and you have, you know, months of waiting through the whole court system and all that stuff like that, there's two things that are going to happen. Like, right, I said, one, you're, it gets thrown out and you're fine. Two, you're going to have all that bad stuff happen. If you are constantly worrying about the bad things happening and it doesn't happen, the case gets thrown out, you spent all that time wasting worrying about something that didn't even happen. Now here's the fun part. You're right. What if on um, what the other other scenario is you're right and you end up going to prison and all that stuff happens to you. All that time before, all that time, the last happy moments that you could have had before it happened, you wasted. Yeah, you're right, you're correct, all the bad stuff happened, but you wasted all that time that you could have had, you know, going and exploring, you know, you know, obviously not traveling out of the country, but like doing things around the state, go fishing, um, drive a car on a track, I don't know, like take up a hobby, um, enjoy people before you have to, you know, have to go, things like that. Yes. A lot of the times we want to be right. And a lot of the times the negative worst case scenario is what our mind focuses on as probably being right. But if we can overpower that, if we can go beyond that, if we can move to a point where we don't do that, then we get so much more joy out of life. So that's what it's about. It's about falling up. I don't remember where I got that, that term from, falling up. When we fail, when we fall, don't view yourself as like a lead weight that's just going to hit the bottom and stop. View yourself as a bouncy ball that hits the ground, but it's going to get much higher. Because reality is in most cases, when you hit low, you're going to go much higher and you're going to hit a shelf and you're just going to glide along the shelf for a little bit without having to worry about falling again. So that's what it's all about. I helped you identify one of the setbacks that our mind does, the helpless, hopeless mentality, 
and then how to focus on not looking at stuff like that and looking at things in a positive way to continue to help us be happy. And that's all we want, okay? Like I've said before, happiness is, is what we need in life. It's what gives us our joy, our meaning in life, things like that. You can have all the money in the world. You can have all the friends in the world. You can, you know, we see countless celebrities and musicians and movie stars that OD or kill themselves, like Robin Williams comes to mind, things like that. That have money, that have fame, that have success, that have friends, that have family and people that care about them, yet they do that. The key is happiness. That's what it is. That's why this part has made it into, this series has made it into my podcast. Happiness is what you should always be looking for and focusing on. Because everything else changes. Who you are at 18, 25, 36, 42, 80, it's all, you're all different versions That's everybody. It's about living in the moment and enjoying who you are and being as happy as you possibly can. Because you're not going back to the past and tomorrow may never happen for you. So be happy now. It's good to have goals and have things to go after, especially because those usually make us happy and focused. But if we can't be happy until we reach a goal, I promise you, the happiness won't last once you get to that goal. Anyhow, guys, that is about it. I actually got through this podcast and I think I was pretty energetic and I actually have a smile on my face now. So this actually did help me, I guess, possibly helped me as well as me realizing why I was depressed. But also I think going over this information, especially the fact that it's about happiness and it's almost against my nature to talk about something and not do it myself. So I guess that's probably why I'm smiling as well. But um, I don't know. It's trying something different, right? Being honest with you guys. I mean, you guys spend, you know, anywhere from 32 minutes to almost an hour listening to me every day. I thought I'd give a little bit of some clarity into my life and show you maybe a little bit more of a vulnerable side. Um, But to kind of do the podcast, educate you and show you that pretty much the same, just like everybody else, right? I have a lot of mastery over my mind, but sometimes my mind kicks my butt. (laughs) So, but that's the thing. That's my goal. That's always been my goal. If me striving after money makes me unhappy, I will stop. If a job makes me unhappy, ho, 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 I'll stop. If a person makes me, makes me unhappy, oh, I will stop. That's how it works. There's one thing in my life. There's two things in my life that I protect like crazy when it comes to me. I'm very good at protecting my friends and usually it's better you pick a fight with me than one of my friends because I am a very aggressive person when it comes to protecting people. But two things when it comes to 
me as I lose my train of thought here. Um, oh, the two things that I protect for myself, my time and my happiness. If you interfere with those two things too often, you will be gone. Simple as that. Anything, whether that's a person, a job, a anything, anything at all. If my happiness and my time are being neglected, it's gone. Do not tolerate that. So focus on that. Focus on being happy. Focus on enjoying life and feeling joy. You can feel happiness while you're dirt poor and you can feel happiness while you're rich. But it's much better to go through life regardless of what state you're in currently and be happy. And I know it's easier said than done, right? But that's what I'm giving you the tools for. So tune in tomorrow night where I give you some more information. Once again, my name is Connor Gilson and I'll be seeing you tomorrow night. Bye.